Father in heaven, once again, we are here in this place to learn about a very special message that you want us to learn and experience and proclaim. We ask that you will send your Holy Spirit to guide our minds and thoughts, that we will fully understand. And we ask also that we will find Jesus Christ in this everlasting gospel, Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's review before we dealt with um, the hour of judgment and worship the hour of judgment. Everlasting Gospel. What is Everlasting Gospel? Did I give you the answer or didn't? Didn't. Didn't. How many Gospels do you have? One Gospel. Why is then Everlasting Gospel? Something like that, yeah? The everlasting in Greek word means age to age or epic to epic. There's no end. And if you think about it, let's say we go to heaven. When we go to heaven, we're going to share testimonies for how many years? 100 years? 1,000 years? Ever and ever. And we're going to share about the gospel, how Jesus died for our sins and we're redeemed. So in that sense, it's everlasting gospel. I, I can you understand? I mean, the gospel, um, let me see if I can find the quotation from Ellen White. Everlasting gospel. like the message, you know, what was the first um, everlasting gospel was preached? I mean, a gospel was preached to human beings. Remember? Where was the first place that God gave them a good news? Genesis. Genesis, right? Genesis. What about it? It says the gospel is a still the same as the beginning of the Genesis. How God came to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, right? What, what did they say? Can we read it? Genesis chapter 3 15. 
Yeah, and I will put amplitude between D, who is D? The serpent, right? Representing, you know, Satan. And the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Who is this indicating? It. It. says, right, it shall bruise thy head. It's talking about Jesus. Did Jesus bruise serpent's head or Satan's head on the cross? You know, when we... You've probably seen snake before, right? How many of you catch snakes? Caught snakes before? Yeah? We, we don't hit other... I mean, of course, sometimes we try to catch it and it was going too fast enough. Hit it anywhere. But to, in order for us to kill it, there's only one place you can hit and just end his life. For good. His head. Hmm. How about the heel? When the snake bites the heel, I mean the heel, the you know, human being, you can still survive. There's a high chance, right? It's not hurting unless it's like a major, you know, poisonous snake, like king cobra or, you know, some other snake. But this indicates that Jesus will be sent and he'll crush the head of the Satan. But meanwhile, him doing that, he has to go through the physical pain and suffering, not only just physical, but also you know, emotional and uh, mental pressure. So this is talking about the prophecy, how God will involve will saving human beings by laying his life and then finally crushing his the, the head of the Satan. If you read um, uh, Revelation chapter 12, it talks about when Jesus really crushed. You know, there's something about Satan. It's just, it's a, of course, the Bible says the mystery of sin, right? Because Satan came from where? From the beginning, at the beginning. Where, where, did, where, did, it came, you know, where did it come from? Heaven, right? Was there any sin before? No. The sin itself, the Satan, how he became master you know, of this evil or sin is a mystery. And so is, you know, how God saved us with His divine power and united us as one. Paul says, you know, man and woman become one flesh. That's a mystery. How God united with us as a sinners. Yet sinners, but, you know, at one moment, at atonement, we become one with God. It's a mystery, right? Why this is divine providence. So it's a, it's a mystery. How did Satan, as a perfect angel, you know, host, he was a second in command, right? After Jesus Christ. But yet, he was jealous and envy and become head of the rebellious movement. Okay, so, so, the gospel is the same. From the beginning, how, you know, Jesus represented as, you know, her seed, 
will crush the Satan and then redeem back the whole earth, human beings. But everlasting gospel, because it's going to go all the way throughout the ages. I don't know if you can relate it to that. Mm. Everlasting gospel. Maybe I might read a quotation for you so later you can fully see the better picture. But um, that's the everlasting gospel. And I pointed out that uh, one of the things that we do not understand and experience is righteousness by faith. Right? How, you know, I told you that sins that we have, sins that we commit, unless we repent, God cannot just like, oh, you forgot about it? Okay, that's fine. He won't do that. You know, God has a book, right? You know, we're going to study about the judgment um, soon. But he's not just going to like, oh, let's say Brother Frankie, I think you have committed sins back in the 2001. You know, he doesn't do that. He will show everybody. It's a fair judgment. You know, you know when you go to court, let's say you were driving and you broke the speeding law, you know, you're supposed to drive 60 kilometers per hour, and you're driving, let's say, 100 <coughs> kilometers per hour. And then, you know, police officer catch you and say, sir, you're driving 40 kilometers faster than the speed limit. Here's a fine. And he will write all the details, where, what time, you know, and the equipment that they use to catch, you know, all the details. And then when you go to court to fight against it, you know, many American people, they go, still go to the court and try to defend themselves, not guilty and whatnot. Anyway, so God will have, you know, as a, as a justice God, he has to bring the record. When exactly, how, situation, time, environment, said it. Or done it. Fair judgment? Well, yes. And throughout the thousand years, when we go to heaven, that's what we're going to do. We're going to understand why Mr. So-and-so couldn't make it. Why Sister So-and-so couldn't come to heaven. We thought that she was one of the most godless women at the church. Or maybe elders out there, or pastor, you know, so-and-so is not here. Can you believe? And then throughout the thousand years, we will see from the record, okay, God shows this is why he couldn't come, or this is why she couldn't make it. And we will say, fair enough. And also, after a thousand years, when the wicked will be judged at the end, they also have to say, God, you're fair. For the records, the time, that how much we refuse to repent make right in our life we refuse to do that we choose it's all about decision right decision making decision alright so there was a, so righteousness by faith is how we become more and more like Jesus Christ and the best illustration was given through Jesus Christ how he was on the cross um We watch 
medias or entertainment, worldly entertainments. Movies, example. Many times, there's a, nowadays there's a superheroes, right? We have um, Superman, we have uh, Batman, we have uh, Fantastic Four, we have, uh, what is it, Thor? Uh, the, the guy with the hammers, I don't know exactly what they do, but all these, you know, gods or children of gods, they're fighting with gods or evil. And how do they conquer them? What was their methods? Power and force, right? They always have to either kill, destroy, do something with their strength and conquer. But do you know the the true hero, Jesus Christ? How did Jesus try to conquer the world? I mean, like, he's a king of the universe. He laid down his life. He didn't throw away all these, you know, titles and everything. He said, I will go down to earth, live like a baby from poor family. Can you imagine Jesus had to wash his hand? You know, he had to wash his dishes, help his mother, help his father hammer. I mean, we have a public transportation nowadays. He had to walk many kilometers. He had to experience the heat. He has to sweat. He felt cold. I mean, President of the United States doesn't have to go through that, right? He'll stay in an AC room. Everybody will take care of him. They will do everything for making him comfortable and convenient. But Jesus came all the way in that time of history when Roman Empire was ruling, you know, they're like going through so much hard time. All the people are so fed up with, you know, injustice, injustice, and they want to overthrow the government and, you know, take over, you know. That was a Messiah that they were dreaming for. But instead, Jesus died on the cross. As a criminal, right? So it was for imagine Satan. Satan had a master plan. How I'm gonna destroy Jesus? He tried to kill when he was born, you know, he was two years, less than two years old. He sent the armies, wipe out all the children under two in Bethlehem. He sent all these people, whenever there is a chance, you know, push him into the cliff to die. And the, at the end, he did kill Jesus. But what happened? The universe saw the result of the sin. How there is and the Lord was crucified on the cross because of Satan 
in Revelation 12 explain how Satan was cast out. You know, do you remember like we, we learned about Job, right? Job, how did Satan end up in heaven? We, we don't have an, explain, an, an explanation from the Bible, but we know from Elijah White's writing. He said, I'm the representative of the earth. He could still travel many different places, but because of the death of Christ, he was no longer welcomed by any planets or stars. That's it. So he is a cast down to the earth. And Jesus will win, right? I saw the bumper sticker when I was in New York. I know the future. It says, God wins. And God is inviting all of us to become part of the winning team. Amen? Amen. Seriously. Alright, what is judgment? Let's go to Revelation chapter 14. We learned that um, fearing God, how do we fear God? By obeying and knowing that He is our Lord, keeping His commandment, depart from evil, right? How do we give glory to Him? We repent with the strong faith. Having His character, we give glory to Him. The Bible says in chapter 14, verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment is come. I mentioned to you about the court. I went to court because I, I had a car accident couple years ago. It's very uh, unique place, right? You don't joke inside the court. You don't, you have to, I mean, you go to, usually you go to court, they, there's a respect, right? They just judge. There's the lawyers. And everything is serious. Because they're going to decide whether you are guilty or not guilty. Depends on your attitude. Depends on your... All the records. So when we think about judgment, yes, it is very serious thing that we have to go through. But there is another side of judgment. So we're going to find out. Come with me to Daniel chapter 7. What is this judgment for? Why do we need to go through this? Daniel chapter 7. Let's read from... Verse 9. The Bible said, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. And I beheld till the 
throne were cast down, and the ancients of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like of pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld, then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there were given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So, reading from verse 9, what was said? Judgment was said, right? And what they brought to um, judge, the, the Bible says there were books, right? right? Verse 10 says, you know, and the books were opened. So they were going through this judgment, and then after that, who came? Who came to the ancients of day? Son of man, right? To what? Why did he come? To receive what? Dominion, glory, and kingdom. All kingdom and all people, nations, and languages should serve him, right? So he was here to receive the kingdom. After what? Judgment. If you go to, come with me to same chapter, verse 22. Yeah, 22. Until the ancients of day came, and the judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints, what? Possessed the kingdom, right? Possessed the kingdom. Going down again, verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to who? The people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey Him. So what is the purpose of the, the, the judgment? What is the purpose? God is going through the book and see who has right to receive or possess his kingdom. I told you that this morning that 
the whole purpose of Daniel, the theme is the kingdoms, right? First kingdom, second kingdom, third kingdom, fourth kingdom. Now it says everything will be destroyed, taken away. But there is all one kingdom left in Daniel chapter 2. The stone cut from the, you know, cut without hand and struck the, the statue image. And then it established new kingdom. And the Bible says the kingdom will last ever and ever, forever, right? And that kingdom will be possessed by who? The saint of the Most High. So the reason for the judgment is to see who will fit to possess the final, the last kingdom that will last forever. Am I, am I clear on that? Can you see that from the Bible? I'm going to read a um, few um, quotations from Ellen G. White's writing. This is from Maranatha, uh, page 93. As the books of record are open in the judgment, the lives of all who have believed on Jesus come in review before God. Beginning with those who first live upon the earth, our advocate presents the case of each successive generation and closes with the living. Every name is mentioned. Every case closely investigated. Names are accepted. Names rejected. When any have sins remaining upon the books of record, unrepented of and unforgiven, their names will be blotted out of the book of life. This is not just anybody they're going to, you know, the, the judgment. The Bible, the Ellen White described, this is the people who professed or, or publicly announced that they are the follower of Jesus Christ or believer of God. They're the ones that are going through the judgment right now. Starting with the dead and then end with the living. And, and Ellen White says, any sins, any committed sins that remain upon the books of record, unrepented or unforgiven, their names will be blotted out of the book of life. Is that a solemn message? God is working very hard with Jesus Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to save us, redeem us. And He has a beautiful plan, right? He give of Jesus Christ. Whoever believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. But the condition is we have to allow God to change our life. Allow God, even the repentance, you know, Acts uh, chapter 5 talks about how even repentance, God has to give it to us. That we will take it and come to Jesus as I repent my sins. You know, I, sometimes we have an issue as a family. My wife and I, we have a disagreement. We have an intensive, you know, verbal conflict <coughs> between us. And as a man, you know what the man, I mean, some of you maybe disagree with me, but as a man, 
we don't want to have a conflict with another person. So what we do? We run away. We don't want to talk about it. We just go to our cave and stay there, silent. I don't know if it can argue with me or not. But this is what I, I usually do. I don't want to talk about it. Give me a break. And let me think about it. But the ladies, on the other hand, they want to resolve the issue right away. Like, why, why, why? You know, so I, you know, there's a conflict. But anyway, so we, we are angry. We are upset at each other. And, you know, when I pray and have my little time, I realize that I, I did something wrong. So when I go to my wife and say, honey, I think I said it in the wrong way. Please forgive me. As soon as I ask her to forgive me, her attitude changes. It's just an amazing thing. Okay? It's like a forgive me is a magic word. You know what I mean? It's just like instantly she's like, okay. And then there is a special chemistry. It's just like your love, she start I mean, she started loving me and I start even though it's like of course as a man, I tell you this. I'm from a, a family. Uh, my father and my father's, you know, their, their relatives, they all came from southeast of Korea. You know, southeast of Korean people, especially as a man, they don't have forgive in their vocabulary, okay? I never, ever heard my dad saying, I'm sorry. I, I don't know about the Malaysian gentlemen. Same? Old men. They, they, don't, they don't know the, the meaning of forgive. Almost, almost. Almost, yeah? They don't... Uh, ego, yeah, yeah. In, in, in Spanish, it says macho. Macho man. They don't know how to say, forgive me. You know? Even though they make mistakes, they just like... So, as a man from that kind of background, saying, honey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's a really hard. In the beginning of our marriage, my wife was like, do you, when do you say, for, for, forgive me? Silence. But like I said, you know, when as soon as I say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, then everything changed. I think God is, I think, same way. God says, I want to forgive you. You know, He knows. He, I mean, like, why does, does God know your sin? He knows really, really well, right? He knows. The Bible says He knows even your motive and intention of your thought. Why does God wants to hear it from you? Why? You know, when Adam and Eve sin against God in a perfect place, right? That's another mystery too. They were fine. They were warned by angels that what happened in the, you know, heaven and they said, you know, Satan will come and tempt you. Still, they, they trust their own, you know, decision, and they sinned against God. Did God knew where they were? Yes. Exactly. God knew where they were. But what would God would do in, like, in the eve of the you know, day? God was calling Adam. Adam? Adam? Where are you? God knew where he was and where she was. But 
He wants us to know and understand that it has to be resolved. He is willing to forgive as long as we come before Him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I did wrong. Please forgive me. Is it hard? It could be. But you want to lost heaven because you don't want to repent? Have mercy. Ellen Joyce says, heaven is cheap enough. There's, I mean, imagine. Imagine you, you lost heaven because you didn't repent your sins. I don't want to think about that. It's just too much. So that's judgment. Judgment is said. I tell you this morning, Daniel, there's many prophecies in the book of Daniel, but there's a one particular prophecy was sealed. Until when? Time of the end. When was the time of the end? When was the time of the end? 1798. That's the beginning of time of the end. Don't forget, okay? If somebody comes to you, how do you know this is time of the end? 1798. From 538. 1260 years. Right? What happened? You know, Daniel chapter 8, verse 14 has a key, right? Come with me to Daniel chapter 8, verse, verse 14. Again, you know, God is showing Daniel what kind of kingdom will come and rule. And more and more, he is explaining about the details and the work of the little horn, right? First, just a little bit about the fourth beast. You know, chapter 7, more about the, the horn, little horn. And then, chapter 8 is like, spending so much area versus explaining about the, the horn. And then he says, verse 14, let's read from actually verse 9. And out of the one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great. It was great, you know, and then become greater and greater, and then now it's like exceedingly great. Toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars of the ground, and stamped upon them. Yea, magnified himself, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And a host was given to him, given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And he cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint, which spake, How long shall it be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of the desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the host of host to be trodden up under foot. 
And he said unto him, unto me, unto two thousand and three hundred days. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. This prophecy was sealed. Can you see that? Out of all book of Daniel, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, 10, 11, 12, except for this 2,300-day prophecy, everything was understood by Daniel. Am I right? Clear? But except this one was sealed. And God says, seal until time of the end. And what is this prophecy talking about? What is this prophecy? 2,300 prophecy? Ever learned? Sorry? It's about the Day of Atonement, right? It's about cleansing not the earthly sanctuary, but heavenly sanctuary. Because the earthly sanctuary was destroyed when? 70 AD, right? By Roman army. So we don't have an earthly sanctuary. So this has to be the heavenly sanctuary. Because we don't have much time, let's draw something here. So, this is time of the end. Time of the end, right? What year was it? Time of the end? 1798. 2,300 days prophecy, right? What's the beginning point? Remember? What was it? When was the starting point of 2,300 prophecy? How do you know it's, it's 457? Because of next chapter. Because as soon, imagine. You're talking about Daniel was praying. You know, like Daniel was praying three times, right? He got in trouble for that, right? They are so jealous. Imagine he was a he was a leader of one of the leader of Babylon. Next kingdom comes, Media Media Persia, and the king of the Media Persia, Cyrus, Darius, they made him one of the top prime minister. This is unthinkable things, right? You attack another country. And then you hire their leader to become prime minister. So they were so jealous about Daniel and they want to get rid of him. So they made a law. Other than king, no worship, no prayer. Should be offered for 30 days. And he says, I don't care. I'll still pray. Because of what? You know what he was praying for? The 70-year prophecy. God had spoken to Jeremiah. You're going to be a captive in, in Babylon for 70 years and then you're going to come back. Daniel knew it's about the 70 years is over. Lord sent us back to Jerusalem so we can prepare for Messiah to come. So next chapter, so when you say, yeah, you're praying, Lord, 70 years is about to come. Please, you know, let's, let us go back 2,300 days. What do you think Daniel, how do you think Daniel will feel? Are you serious? 2003? What is this? We were here already 70 plus, almost 70 years. We want to go home. 
So next chapter and next chapter 10, 9 and 10, he was fasting. He was so sick and like physically sick. He lost his strength. Like we've been here so many years. Even though he was, uh, you know, one of the prime ministers, he's like, he lost desire to eat. And he says, I will fast. So he will fast. And then who came down to help him understand? He was praying in chapter 9, and then shoo, God sent angel, Gabriel. And then explain, right? So he gives time. What time to what time, right? Of course, Daniel did not really understand, but he said, God says, don't worry about that. This, this is for something else. But you, for you, you're going back home, and Messiah will come in for, you know, certain certain time, 490-year period and, and all that. But the beginning of the, the prophecy year, the point, was given in chapter 9, verse, where, where, which verse? 25. 25. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be 70 weeks, right? 490 years. So, when was the command given? 4? Four, seven, BC, right? And then ended which year? Eighteen, forty-four. If you calculate something, like it doesn't sound like two thousand three hundred. And also, you know, it's, it, it, the translation said, "What is it?" Um, that's chapter 7, verse 14, right? He said unto me, unto 2,300 days. In the Greek, uh, the Hebrew language, it's at a um, boker, right? I think that's what, how we read, pronounce. Boker, boker. That, that days mean, it's a time. The same word was using, the, you know, like the first day, second day in Genesis chapter 1. When God created the first day, you know, evening and the morning, it was the first day. He's talking about time. First time, second time. So, when you're talking about times of cleansing the sanctuary, because he mentioned about, you know, sanctuary will be cleansed, right? Daniel kind of understood, okay, this is relating to Day of Atonement. Because there was only one time a year they cleansed the sanctuary. Imagine how many Israelites there were traveling in the wilderness. The beginning, they said just the men, 600,000, right? So with the women and everybody, probably like 2 million, let's say 2 million. 2 million people, they have issue with the sin. And God gave them provision. When you sin, bring what? Burn offering, a sacrifice. And not only just that, but it says when you are happy, when you, are, you have so many you know, wonderful things and you want to thank God, bring another sacrifice too. So everything related to their life, when they're happy, sacrifice. When they're sin, sacrifice. When they're sad, sacrifice. When they're sick and healed, sacrifice. So imagine there is a sanctuary. What do they have to do? The priest, you know, the sinner anoint the, 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 the sacrifice. They slain and then collect the blood, offer the you know sacrifice, and then bring it to the where? Sanctuary, right? 
and then, of course, the, the four corners of the, the altar, and then bring it to the sanctuary, and then, how many times? Seven times. Imagine you have two million people dealing with their sins and their all, you know, offerings, and imagine what would happen to that veil between the, sanctuary, the, the holy place and the most holy place. I'm sure it stinks and so dirty. We cover with blood. I mean, like two million people, right? Two million people. You know, by the G that when when Jesus came to Earth, the, the blood would run like a stream. He said, "That's how much animals were sacrificed daily." It's, it's an unthinkable thing. Even that, people didn't understand about the death of Jesus Christ. They were all like doing business, right? But anyway, so Daniel understood the cleansing of the sanctuary has to be 2,300 years, but he couldn't understand the whole picture. But we know that sanctuary only cleansed once a year, which is Day of Atonement. At that time, every sins of Israelites has to be forgiven. They have to be confessed, otherwise... God will track you down. And that person has to be destroyed. And then they can start a new year. So, this is heavenly sanctuary. What happened? 1844. Jesus went into the most holy place. Where? Heavenly sanctuary, okay? In heavenly sanctuary. What is the everlasting gospel? What is the everlasting gospel? God saving power, redeeming human being through Jesus Christ. There's no other name on earth we can be saved other than Jesus, right? Jesus is, you know. His death and His sacrifice and His life has revealed God's character and He wants us to be saved. This gospel and the judgment, I explained to you, what is the purpose of judgment? What is the purpose of judgment? To find who will fit fit to possess the kingdom of God, right? Because Satan wants to know, Satan, do you think Satan wants you to understand this? Or anybody who understands this? No. No. You know, Daniel chapter 12, come with me, Daniel chapter 12. This is very important. Time of the end, 1798. The Bible says, verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Let me, let me ask you a question. 
300 years ago. Can someone calculate? What is, how, when is it 300 years ago from now on, 2013? 300 years ago? 1730. 13. 1713. What was the fastest way to travel? from Malacca to here. Train? Mm. 17, 17, 13, I don't think there was a train. Ship? I don't think so. Close, close. What is it? Walking. Riding the horse. Am I right? I think that's faster than boat, unless there's a storm coming in, you know? How about five years ago? What's the, what was the fastest transportation? I mean, like, you have to deliver this message that the battle was won. won. How do you travel? Fastest way? Same thing. Horse. Am I right? How about 1,500 years ago? What was the fastest way? Same way. How about 3,000 years ago? Same way. What the Bible says? What, what the Bible says? Verse 4. At the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Do you see from what time that our science and all this technology has been developed suddenly? We, we uh, as a Bible you know, students, we know that the, 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 the earth history is about 6,000 years. Out of 6,000 years, almost 5,000, 6,700 years, everybody traveled the same way. Everybody probably lived about the same way. Maybe people, some people have little advantage of living comfortable life, but they still have to deal with the cows and horses and camels and, you know, travel the same way. But suddenly, around 18 centuries and on, everything changed. Am I right? The way we communicate, the way we travel, the way we live, is just change everything. The Bible says, people will run to and fro, and knowledge will be increased. Amazing. What is the purpose of the increase of knowledge? God wants us to understand the Bible prophecy and able to present to the world. I told you how Satan also has his everlasting gospel. Satan doesn't want you to believe that you are bought by Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't want you to be saved. He wants you to be destroyed with him. I don't think he still believes that. It's amazing. He doesn't believe that he's going to be destroyed. He thinks still he's going to want this battle. Great controversy. So what he does? He just go on and make his own doctrine, theory. 1840, 1842 and 1844, August, somebody wrote this piece called Origin of Species. Who was this? The guy? 
Charles Darwin. Is this is Satan doing well with his gospel? Oh yes. Oh yes. If you want to stay as a scientist, you have to somewhat support this. Otherwise, I mean, there is a documentary done by, I forgot his name, a Jewish uh, gentleman in the US. If you proclaim that you are the creationist scientist, they will get rid of you. All the universities, they will fire you. Because you believe in intelligent design. So many young people nowadays, they go to public schools. They learn about evolution. What does evolution basically teach you? You're from? Ameba. You're from monkey. You're, you're, you're here because of accident, right? Just, just, you happen to be here in this time of history. You do whatever you want. There's a, no moral. There's no purpose in your life. You just, you're just here. 1959 and 60s, United States. You know, the, the, the nation of United States was established by the, uh, how do you call that, the pilgrims, right? They were all Christians, am I right? You know, you see that their, their, their um, constitution, everything was based on the Christian philosophy. When Eisenhower became a president, and when he saw the Russians are shooting the rockets to out of space, he said, "We gotta, we gotta do something. Maybe because we believe in this Christian belief, maybe that's why we are behind." So he demanded the Congress to pass one billion dollar to brought to the educational textbook to learn about evolution. Before 1963, there was only maybe two or three thousand times the word evolution was introduced in the textbook, American textbook. But after 1963, it's like hundred thousand times. You know what the result was? Before, the evolution was introduced to the textbook, everything was very calm, like divorce rate, the, the unmarried young ladies, pregnant rates, very, very low. But right after the evolution was introduced to schools, it just jumped, like this. People, Nowadays, you go to any schools, they don't have a concept of moral. They don't know what is right or wrong because they don't care. That's why people, they hurt each other. They don't care about who you are, what you do. They just want their selfish desire. That's why six months old would get raped. I mean, just like, 
people are losing their mind because Satan's been drilling their mind. You are not made for the purpose. You're not after the you know, image of God. You are after the image of monkeys and you know bogs and you exist by chance. And that's why we're seeing more and more crimes and wars. And the only reason, the only reason that we're still having some sort of peace and rules that exist because of the angels are holding the peace. We're going to study that about that later. But you have to understand that the judgment, the hour of judgment, started 1844. And if we have un unforgiven sin, our name, the only way it says, will be removed, blotted out from the book of life. But this is a solemn time. I hope that you have time. I don't know if you, it's all 5 o'clock. Isaiah 58 talks about what kind of experience we have to go through. Maybe tomorrow morning when we get together here, we'll go over that part. It's that time that we're living in right now. And we have to really seek you know, one of the things that we're supposed to do as, as a people going through a day of atonement is afflicting our souls. We have to see if there is anything that we have done wrong to God. That we have to make right. Okay. Any questions? Worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Do you see why worship is important in this time of history? Can you tell? The book, the origin of species was originally, uh, the, 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 the officially published in 1859. But the idea and his, his thought was already published in thesis. If you have a question, I can come, you know, I, you can come to me. You go to Cambridge, um, the university, they have this thing, Foundation of Origin of Species, written in 1842 and 1844. So you can have a clear picture about that. But God had to let them know that God is the one who created us, not we're existing by chance. And this is a really important time for the history because many people are deceived by this lie. It's a theory. It's not a fact. It's a religion, actually. Because if you don't believe in this, there's a persecution, seriously, uh, among the scientists. Um, and one of the ways that we worship him is what? There's the Ten Commandments. Out of Ten Commandments, there's a one commandment really deal with Creator God. Which one is it? The Sabbath. Every week, we have to understand again and again that we are made for a special reason, purpose, made out of image of God. That we have to fully reflect, vindicate God's character in our life so that He'll be glorified. I pray that um, today's um, seminar was meaningful and uh, understood well. I continue 
pray for you. Uh, if you have any question, uh, let me know. I want you to really see how God is trying his best to save you, save us, and take us home and help us to possess the kingdom of God. We don't have much time. We don't have much time. The things that I, I'm telling you over and over again, the things that are happening around our life is reminding us that He will come soon. You know, let's say, let's say He doesn't come in our lifetime. Let's say. How many years can you live? Let me ask you that question. How many years can you live? Who, who is the youngest person here? We have 19 years old, right? 19. If you leave healthy, okay, there's a little kid. Oh, okay, sorry, you're not a kid. But um, let's say 20, like 19. Healthy lifestyle. You you follow the principles, new starts. You do exercise and drink plenty of water. How many years do you think? You will live. Another, another 60 years? Is it, are you going to be happy? 80 years? Yeah, let's say 80 years. 60 years. 60 years. I'm sorry, what's your name? Puyen. Yeah? She will live. Puyen will live another 60 years. When she died, next thing she will see, what is it? Jesus. Jesus coming. She has 60 years. The way she would live 60 years will determine her eternal life. Am I right? Actually, you are the youngest, right? So can you relate it to this? The way you will live rest of your life, either 20, either 30, or 40, or 60 years, that will determine your salvation. And next thing, when you die, it's like a sleep, right? You will open your eyes, lo and behold, Jesus is coming. So you're, you're gambling. I mean, not, not gambling. You are making decision whether you're going to commit your life, surrender your life fully to God and leave that 60 years for His glory or your own glory. Have fun. Enjoy life. For 60 years. And that's it. The eternity compared to the 60 years. Or maybe 65. Nothing. Nothing can benefit or bless you more than choosing the winning team. Because we know. The Bible is full of the story. Like, Every time God and Satan is a conflict, who wins? God wins. I'll tell you just one story and then we'll finish. I think yesterday morning I was reading Genesis and I hear the story, I read the story of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph was a unique personnel, right? He was the 11th son of Jacob. If you look at their family, 
It's so dysfunctional family. A am I right? These four mothers are fighting to get the attention from their father, including their children. And here comes Joseph, naive. You know, because his his mother, you know, was the the one of the most you know wanted lady among the four. God, the, the Jacob was pampering him with all this gift, and you know, and he thinks it's like he's the best. His head is so big, and he would dream something, and he would tell his brother like, "I saw you guys bowing down." <laughs> and the next day, I say. I saw my dad and mom, they're bowing down too. And all the brothers were jealous. So when he was sent by his father to see how the brothers were doing, what they did? They were going to kill him. If he, was a, he wasn't a um, Reuben, they are going to kill his brother. But instead of killing, they sold him too. The merchant of who? Ishmaelites, right? And they send, they sold him to one of the captains in Egypt. He was about 17 years old. On his way to Egypt, he made his mind. He said, Lord, I don't know where I'm going, but I will honor you with my best, my life. And then Potiphar, right? The captain, he bought him. Joseph, according to Jewish Talmud, he was one of the best looking guy after Adam. His mother was pretty. His father was pretty handsome boy because imagine Isaac and who? Rebecca, right? Rebecca was pretty. And then Jacob married Rachel. Rachel was pretty. And I told you, Sarah is so pretty. The king wanted her to come to, you know, palace at the age of 89, you know. Can you think about, I mean, like, oh, just amazing thing. So this, this good-looking lad, let's say 18, 19 years old, or 20, 21, somebody fell in love with him. Who was it? Potiphar's wife. We think that Potiphar was, you know, old guy, like grumpy and, you know, all these wrinkles and gray hair. No way. His wife was so pretty. I believe she was one of the Miss Egypt, maybe back in 2000 BC or something like that. You know, as a, as a, as a, as a general or captain, I'm sure he has access to, you know, many things, and one of the things could be getting a most beautiful looking wife. Ellen White describes the whole heaven was watching intensely 
of the temptation that Jacob, I mean, Joseph went through. And there is a story. I don't know if this is true or not, but Talmud talks about it. Potiphar's wife invite all the princes, the wealthy ladies, you know, high class, elite, to her house. And she said, I have competition here. I'll give you a wonderful gift if you cut the apples without cutting the, how to call it, the skin. Like you peel the, you know, you, there's a way you peel the skin. You go around, round, 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 and then make a one. And everybody was busy peeling the apple. And, and she brought Joseph in the middle of this competition. And the, and, and the Talmud says, everybody cut their fingers. <laughs> Everyone. All the ladies. But anyway, that's how much he was handsome. But he overcame the temptation. Because he placed God in the first hand. We have many young people here and young in hearts. And God is looking for that kind of young people who will not wave right or left, but wholly surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Like Daniel, like his three friends, no matter what happens, they will say, Lord, I will do your will. I will follow you all the way. I hope the dead group, the one who possessed the land, the everlasting kingdom will be yours. I hope that you make the decision today. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for showing from the prophecy that we, as a last runner, to finish this race with honor and glory, to proclaim the three angels' message, the everlasting gospel, to the nation and tongue and people around the world. You have entrusted us with this special message. And we ask and pray that, Lord, we are not worthy to do this ministry and this work. But we see Jesus Christ pleading for our sins in heavenly sanctuary asking Father to forgive our sins. It is today that we want to make right with you, Lord. If there are anything, any sins, any faults that we made in the past that you want us to correct, help us remember and come to you, Lord, and be forgiven that our names will be secure in your book, the book of life. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ because of his life and ministry and because of his death on the cross that we can inherit your kingdom, the everlasting kingdom. Help us to be faithful like you've been faithful to us all the time. We pray all things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, 
or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.